0: Well, good morning, everyone. If you would, open your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Lord willing, we'll finish up our study of this chapter, Ephesians 4, this morning. Before we begin, let's bow before our Lord and seek His blessing, His presence. Our Father, we bow in Your presence this morning. Father, we come into your presence carefully and reverently, daring only come into your presence, pleading the person, the doing and the dying, the blood and the obedience of Christ our Savior. Father, I beg of you this morning that you would give each of us a spirit of worship, that you would give us a heart that hungers and thirsts and pants after thee, And Father, that you would fill us and refresh us with the preaching of your darling son. I pray that you would mix everything that we hear with God-given faith. Father, I beg of you that you would not let us just go through the motions of religion, but you enable us to worship, that you enable us to seek your presence and seek your will. Father, that you would speak to us through your word. In what we pray for ourselves, we pray for your people who meet all around this country and all around the world this morning. Father, wherever your people meet, we pray you'd bless in a mighty and special way. In this dark, dark day, Father, how we pray for a revival in the land, how we pray that you would cause your redemptive glory in the Lord Jesus Christ to to shine forth in this dark, dark world. Father, we also pray for those who are in times of great difficulty and sickness and sorrow. Father, we pray you'd be with your people. We pray a special blessing our brother Cecil and his family that you'd be with them. Haley, that you'd be with her and strengthen and heal her. Fathers, others, there's so many who need you especially. We, we're thankful to know that thou art able. Father, we thank you for the many blessings of this life, how richly you've blessed us. Humbled and awestruck that you would be so merciful and gracious to a people as sinful as we are. And Father, we thank you. Pray your continued hand of leadership and blessing and protection be upon us. All these things we ask in that name which is above every name, the name of Christ our Savior. Amen. All right. The title of our lesson this morning is forgiveness. Now this is a subject that's needful for every believer. This subject is needful because every believer lives in constant need of forgiveness, don't we? We always need forgiveness. We need forgiveness from God. We need forgiveness from each other. Every believer also finds it very difficult to truly forgive someone. When they hurt, when someone hurts you on purpose, I'm sure you're just like me, you find it very difficult to truly forgive them. Now, we'll say the words, "I forgive you," and we will try our absolute best not to bring it up anymore, won't we? We have a problem forgetting it and truly forgiving them. And if you're a believer, that bothers you because we want to truly forgive. That's that's the nature that God has given us. The Lord's forgiven me; He's freely forgiven me of all my sins. Now that makes me want to forgive others, even though in this flesh, it's a very difficult thing to do. So this is a good subject for us to look at, the subject of forgiveness. As I began studying this this week, I found this very interesting and helpful. When Paul talks about forgiveness, you know how he begins talking about this subject of forgiveness? He begins talking about how to avoid the need for forgiveness in the first place. You yeah, we might find it easier to avoid offending someone than offending someone and then go, having to go ask their, their forgiveness. Barney Fife used to say about crime and bad behavior, nip it in the bud. Nip it in the bud, Andy. Brother Eric Floyd says you can learn everything you need to know about how to live in this world by watching um, Andy Griffith, Mayberry RFD. And that's what Barney said, nip it in the bud. Well, if we nip our bad attitude in the bud there's going to be a whole lot less need for us to be forgiven, isn't there? This is what Paul is saying. Ephesians 4, look at the beginning of verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Now Paul says, "What he, you notice? What he begins talking about here is attitude, and all these things in, in beginning at the at the very uh, beginning of this chapter, when he's talking about the believer's walk, he's always talking about attitude. It's not as much what we do, but it's the attitude, it's the motive behind it. And forgiveness can only come from having the right attitude." See, we're not just talking about saying the words, I forgive you. What we're talking about is having the right attitude and actually forgiving someone. And Paul begins with some tips here. How can we avoid the need for forgiveness in the first place? Well, it begins by saying, let all bitterness be put away from you. Now that word bitterness means it's a bitter hatred. It means a bitter root, a bitter root that grows and produces bitter fruit, bitter conduct. And Paul says, let that attitude be put away from you. And you notice he says, let it be put away from you. That verb is in the passive tense. This is not telling us something that we can actively do for our own selves. It's in the passive tense. Let it be put away away from you. Somebody else is going to have to do that. And you know who the only one is who can take this away from us, this bitter attitude. It's the Lord. So the best thing we can do if we want to let all bitterness be taken away from us is pray. Pray and ask the Lord. Lord, take away this bitterness. Take this out of me. And that applies to each one of these things. Let them be taken away. This is all in the passive tense. If they're going to be taken away from us, the Lord's going to have to do it. We need to spend time in prayer, asking the Lord, "Lord, take away this bitterness from me." Yeah, just just don't be so bitter about people all the time. Don't be so touchy. If I am less easily offended, there's going to be less need for forgiveness in there. If I'm just not offended so easily, I just people won't have to apologize to me. Don't be so bitter with people and give people a break. Because remember this, I know you're having a hard time. They are too. Just cut them a little bit of slack. And I tell you, a good way to let bitterness be put away from us is by hearing the gospel preached. The gospel softens the hearts of God's people. The gospel ought to produce a sweet attitude, a sweet fruit, not a bitter fruit. Shouldn't? Then Paul says, let all wrath be put away from you. This word wrath doesn't just mean anger in the sense that we think about it. It means fierceness. Fierceness. Don't be so fierce. Don't be looking for a fight all of the time. I tell you, there'll be less need for forgiveness if we don't pick a fight. Isn't that right? There'll be less need for forgiveness if we don't pick a fight. Now let this attitude be taken from you. Pray and ask the Lord to take it away from you. And again, a mighty good way to have this be taken away, this fierceness be taken away from us is by hearing the gospel preached. The gospel should produce a tender-hearted attitude, shouldn't it? Not fierce, but tender-hearted. Constantly hearing the gospel just might soften us up a good bit. Just might. Then Paul says, let all anger be put away from you. And this word anger means anger that seeks punishment. It seeks to punish people. Now let that be taken from you. If that would be taken from us, the Lord's going to take it from us, isn't he? Because that's just the nature of this flesh. So pray and ask the Lord to take this anger that just seeks punishment, retribution. Take it from me. And I'll tell you a mighty good way to fix that attitude is hearing the gospel preached, hearing Christ preached. The gospel should produce peacemakers. That's what our Lord called called believers. They're peacemakers. Let's seek to be peacemakers, not executioners. Now, I'm just sure of this. Peacemakers have to ask for forgiveness a whole lot less often than executioners do. Then Paul says, let all clamor be put away from you. And that word clamor means crying. Now that's not crying as in weeping over your sin. We all ought to be weeping over our sin, crying over our sin. This is not talking about weeping when somebody hurts us. The word means crying like a crow crying. It's an irritating cry. It's a cry for vengeance. That's irritating, isn't it? If we'd be less irritating to folks, we'd have to ask their forgiveness a whole lot less often. Let this be taken away from you. I tell you what we ought to try out. Let's try out crying for mercy instead of crying out for vengeance. See, one of those cries is irritating. One of them is sweet. Let's try crying out for mercy instead of vengeance. Let's try crying out for grace rather than retribution. That's just a whole lot more peaceful way to be, isn't it? And the more peaceful we are, the less likely we are to have to ask for forgiveness. Then Paul says, let all evil speaking be put away from you. That word evil speaking means blasphemy. And my goodness, how we need to beg God to forgive our blasphemy. Now, blasphemy is not just cuss words. It's not just taking the Lord's name in vain. It's not just preaching a false gospel, although all that is included. But you know, you can blaspheme the Lord without ever saying a word. We blaspheme the Lord by our attitude, not trusting him like we should. We need forgiveness for that, don't we? See, when we first started talking about blasphemy, you know, using, using bad language and, and taking the Lord's name in vain and preaching a false gospel, probably everybody here thought, well, I don't have too much trouble with that. But when we talk about blaspheming the Lord by our attitude and not trusting Him like we should, suddenly we all became guilty, didn't we? We need forgiveness. Now let that be taken away from you. I can't take that away from, I can't take that weak faith away from myself but I sure can pray that the Lord enable me to trust him more fully. But this word blasphemy has a second meaning. It means lying on somebody. It means slandering someone's character. I, I can think of a few things more hurtful than somebody slandering your character. I just can't hardly think of anything more hurtful than that. Most of us... Take some care about our reputation. And when somebody lies on you, I mean, I just can hardly think of anything more hurtful. Well, I know this. If if I just keep my mouth shut and don't slander you, I'm not going to have to go back and ask your forgiveness later. And if I slander you and I'm a believer, I'm going to have to go back and ask your forgiveness sooner or later. Well, a way to avoid all that mess in the first place is just don't lie on you. If I don't do that, there's not gonna be a problem, is there? That nips it in the bud. If instead of lying on people and carrying tails on people and trying to trying to drag somebody else down to make myself look better, if I have my speech seasoned with grace instead of slander, I'm gonna have a whole lot more peaceful life. We're gonna get along better and there's going to be a whole lot less need to ask forgiveness later, isn't there? Then Paul says malice. Let all malice be put away from you. Now malice is ill will that makes you wish evil on someone. Now, if you're wishing evil on someone, sooner or later, you're going to have to ask their forgiveness. You will if you're a child of God. And we can't make that malice go away from us. The Lord's got to take it from us. He's got to take that attitude from us. We sure can pray that the Lord take this attitude of malice away from us. But malice also means this. It means not ashamed of doing something wrong. Like somehow I'm justified in being so fierce. I know this is wrong, but somebody did wrong to me, so I'm going to do wrong to them and I'm not ashamed of it. That's malice. Well, I tell you, we sure can pray that the Lord take that attitude from us. He taught us that. When somebody, when somebody does, does something wrong towards you, what are you supposed to do? Are you supposed to act in malice and do something wrong, wrong back to them? Or are we supposed to turn the other cheek? Which did he teach us to do? Now I know that's impossible for our flesh to do, but we sure can ask the Lord to take that attitude from us. And if he does... We're going to have to ask forgiveness from our brethren a whole lot less often. Now, Paul says, let all these things be taken from him. Pray that the Lord take these things from, away from you. If we want to promote forgiveness, we'll ask the Lord to take these things away from us. Because if he takes these things, these attitudes out of us, that we'll have less need to ask somebody for forgiveness. But then we're also to ask the Lord, Lord, put something on me. Put something in me. Take this, this, this these attitudes of the flesh, these attitudes of the Adam's nature away from me, and put these attitudes in me. These will promote forgiveness too. First, Paul says kindness. Ask the Lord to put kindness in you. Now that word kind, it means easy. It means manageable. And it means fit for use. If you would be fit for use in God's kingdom, be easy to get along with. Be manageable. You know, sheep are manageable. Goats are not manageable. Wolves are not manageable. But sheep are manageable. And don't be a sheep in wolves' clothing. You know, I think a lot of times sheep think, God's sheep think, Well, I can't act like a sheep, you know, if I'm going to get along, you know, in this world, kind of get my way. Don't be a sheep in wolf's clothing. I know the wolves come in in sheep's clothing, but let's not us be sheep in wolf's clothing. There's never a need for the believer to act like a wolf, to bite and to devour. We're sheep that are to graze in the green pastures of God's word. For sheep that are to drink the deep, still waters of God's Word. A pastor friend of mine and I were, we were talking this week, and uh, part of the conversation just this, this came up about the advice. I told him about the advice, a piece of advice Brother Henry gave me when I became the pastor. Actually, this was, I take that back, that was way before I was a pastor, and he said, he made this statement, and it shocked me. I chewed and, chewed and chewed and chewed and chewed and chewed and chewed on him and didn't understand what he was talking about until I became a pastor. This is what Brother Henry said. He said, preaching is the small component of being a pastor. The biggest job of the pastor is to watch for wolves. And I told my pastor friend that I have amended that. I found that, that to be true. And I have amended that to say, um, uh, That's what I said a minute ago. You gotta you gotta watch for the wolves. But you gotta watch for the sheep in wolves' clothing, too. And he said, he said, Brother Henry gave me the same advice. And he said, I've amended it to this. The biggest job of a pastor is being a game warden. (laughs) Watching for watching for all this different stuff, you know, going on. Now you think about that. Take it home. and think about it. That the biggest job of a pastor is being a game warden. Be easy to get along with. Be manageable. If I am easy to get along with, I'm going to have to ask for forgiveness a whole lot less often, aren't I? And if you're easy to get along with, you know what else you'll do? You'll forgive easier. Be easy to get along with. Be manageable. And you know, this matter of kindness is imitating our Savior. Every believer wants to be Christ-like. Don't you? Don't you want to be Christ-like? Well, kindness is imitating our Savior. In Matthew 11, verse 30, the Lord stood and cried to all those, if you're thirsty, if you're hungry, if you're weary, come to me. Come to me. I'll give you rest. And this is what he said. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. That word easy, he said my yoke is easy, is the very same word translated kind in our text. The Lord says, come to me. My yoke is kind. He's kind to his people. If we would imitate our Lord, seek to be kind, manageable, and easy to get along with. Next, Paul talks about being tender-hearted. Ask the Lord to enable you to be tender-hearted. The word means strong bowels of compassion. Ask the Lord, Lord, give me this heart that has strong bowels of compassion for your people, for you and your people. Give me a heart that loves Christ and loves his people. And Lord, then enable me to act on that. I just don't think much of somebody's claim of love if they never act on it. I'm, I mean, I just don't see how, how, how you can. If you love the folks here, be sure they know it. And I tell you how they'll know it, is by your actions. By your actions. And We can ask the Lord to enable us to act on that love. Now, I tell you what we love naturally is ourselves. So to love someone else, that doesn't come naturally to us. See, we have that's why we have to ask the Lord to put this in us. Put this in us. And if we're if the Lord will put a tender heart in us, there's going to be less need for us to be forgiven by our brethren. And if we're tender hearted, we'll also forgive others. A whole lot more easier if we're if we're tender hearted. You find it easy to forgive the people that you love. Don't you? All right, now here's where all this lesson has been leading to, forgiveness. Ask the Lord to enable you to be forgiven. Now this word that Paul uses, forgiveness here, it means more than just the way we use the word. It's a deeper, deeper word than what we use. We talk about forgiving someone. When they somebody does something wrong to you and you say, I forgive you. The word means do something that's pleasant. And do something that's agreeable. And it also means to graciously restore. Now look at Proverbs chapter 19. I don't know that I can think of anything more agreeable to the gospel of Christ, more agreeable to the spirit of God, than to graciously restore someone to fellowship and friendship. You know, I talked a minute ago about the believer wanting to be Christ-like. I don't know that we can do in this, this life anything more Christ-like than to graciously restore a brother when they've done us wrong. Look what Solomon says here, Proverbs 19 verse 11. The discretion of a man, the wisdom of a man deferreth his anger. A wise man, he's gonna, he's gonna defer his anger. He's not gonna act on it immediately. And it is his glory to pass over a transgression. (laughs) Passing over a transgression, forgiving a transgression of our brother is a glory. (laughs) That's being Christ-like. Now look over at Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. I want to show you a a verse of scripture, a passage of scripture. My dear friend, Jim Meadows, showed me this years ago. I've chewed on this for a while too. Luke 17, verse 1. Then said he to the disciples, it is impossible, but that offenses will come. But woe unto him through through whom they come. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he cast into the the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. Now, boy, this is right where we live, isn't it? Offenses are going to come. Offenses will come because we're all sinners. We can't help it. We can't help but but offend one another. Whether it's people out in the world that, that they don't really care two beans whether or not they offend you or not. Or our brethren in Christ that, that offend us and, you know, they care about it. Maybe they didn't mean to, but they did. Offenses must come because we're all sinners. We can't help it. That's just what we do. But now that doesn't excuse it, does it? Because the Lord says, Woe unto them by whom these offenses come. It's better than a millstone were cast about his neck. He cast into the depths of the sea. He offended one of my little ones. I mean, there's ramifications for this. But when somebody offends you, this is what my dear friend Jim told me. Don't be woe in everybody that offends you. Because look what the Lord says next here, verse 3. Take heed to yourselves. Don't not don't don't take heed to the 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 person that offends you. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brethren trespass against thee, rebuke him, and if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day and seven times in a day turn again to thee saying I repent, thou shalt forgive him. This is what Jim told me. When somebody offends you, you take heed. You don't tell them; they better take heed. If somebody offends you, you better take heed. Because you know what is required of you when your brother offends you? You got to forgive them. And you take heed. You take heed about that. The Lord says you forgive them. You've got a hard job being laid upon you when a brother offends you. You got to forgive them. Forgive them. Never rebuke them, the Lord says. And that doesn't mean go scream and yell at them and beat them and... It means talk to him in love. Talk to your brother in love so that it breaks his heart that he offended you so that he'll ask ask for your forgiveness. And Lord says, when he repents, you forgive him. Immediately, you forgive him. And if he does it again, forgive him again. And if he does it again, forgive him again. And if he does it again, forgive him again. again. And again, and again, and again, and again. Now, that's not our nature, is it? Or I, might, I might forgive you once, I might forgive you twice, three strikes, you're out, you know. I might be like Peter said, oh, I'll forgive my brother seven times. The Lord says as often as he does it, you forgive him. Now, the disciples heard exactly what the Lord was saying. Look what they said in response to what the Lord's instructions here in verse 5. And the apostles said unto the Lord, increase our faith if I've got to forgive my brother every time he trespasses against me, Lord, increase my faith. Lord, put this attitude in me. Because that's not going to come to me by nature. Lord, put this in me. Lord, I beg of you, put forgiveness in my heart so that I can forgive my brother and my sister. And when that happens, now the Lord said, take heed. When you're when you've been offended by one of your brethren, what's required of you is to be kind, to be tender-hearted, to be easily entreated. Let it go. Just let it go. Quit holding it against them. Quit seeking retribution against them and move on in love. Move on. And this won't be a one-time deal. This matter of forgiveness is not a one-time deal. Because you notice, look back in our text here, the way Paul says this. He says, forgiving one another. Don't just forgive one another, forgiving one another. Constantly forgiving one another. Because we're all sinners who all live in need of constant forgiveness. Forgiving one another. I need to be forgiven constantly? Constantly. And I need to forgive others constantly because they're just like me. They have the same need for forgiveness that I have. All right. Now here's the key to the whole thing. We get to the end of the lesson and now I'm going to give you the key. The key to this whole attitude of forgiveness is this phrase, for Christ's sake. For Christ's sake. God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven all of the sin of all of his people. Every act of sin, every thought of sin, every motive of sin is to offend God Almighty. We care a whole lot when somebody offends us. Do we care all that much we've offended God? And God has forgiven the sin of his people. All of it. Why? For Christ's sake. For Christ's sake, God forgives the sin of his people because God's own son took the sin of his people in his body on the tree and suffered and died to put it away. (laughs) Now that's forgiveness. That's forgiveness. When God forgives sin, he does it in justice. He forgives the sin of his people because Christ paid the debt in full. That's for Christ's sake, isn't it? And when God forgives sin, he does what you and I can't do. He forgets it. Now God forgets it because there's no sin left to remember. There's sins and iniquities. Why remember no more? Because the blood of Christ made that sin not to exist. There's no reason for God to be angry with his people because they don't have any sin. Why? For Christ's sake. Because Christ put it away. Now, if God's done that for you, if he's forgiven your sin for Christ's sake, because Christ was sacrificed for you to pay a debt that's so infinite, we can't even begin to imagine the, the height and depth and, and size of our debt. And Christ paid it all for you. Now you forgive others. Look at Matthew chapter 18. Matthew 18, beginning in verse 23. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him 10,000 talents. That is more than a man, 10,000 talents. That's more than a man would earn in a lifetime you know, of his whole career. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife and his children, and all that he had in payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I'll pay thee all. Now that's a lie. He could never pay this, this debt. It's more than he could earn in a lifetime. But he says, I'll pay thee all. And the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion, and loosed him, and forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him an hundred pence. That's an hour or two's wages. Just take an hour or two to earn that much money. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. But he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that, he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? Now it doesn't really matter what punishment that the king, this rich man, gave gave to this servant, you know, who was forgiven this huge debt. The punishment really doesn't matter. I'm talking about their attitude. Which servant do you want to be? Huh? Which servant do you want to be? And then let me give you this last. When we forgive our brethren for Christ's sake, for Christ's sake, we do it in this way. Is for the sake of the body of Christ. If two people here have a problem with each other, fussing and fighting and feuding with one another, and it becomes known, that's not good for this body. That's not good for this body at all, to know we've got two people here fussing and fighting and hating one another. But if those two people forgive one another, that's good for this body. Isn't it? That's good for this body. When your brother offends you, forgive. Forgive him because that's what's best for this body. God help us if we tear this body up. God's given us in his mercy and grace a place that we can meet together and worship him. Worship him in peace. We have peace here. Don't take it for granted. Thank God for it. We have peace. We have unity. We're able to worship God with one accord. God help us if we tear that up. Do you know how few places, how few cities there are in this country where you can come and worship like this? Not very many. And for reasons known only to God, and only because of His unspeakable mercy and grace, He's given that to us. I'm telling you, protect it with all your worth. If we forgive one another, that's good for the body of Christ, and that ought to be our desire. So, all right. Well, Lord bless that too. Y'all get off my soapbox now. <laughs>